Welcome to Caritas Christi, a real and raw podcast with real women and real faith, where we apply the feminine genius to look at the current events of this world, our faith lives, and other things that are relevant to young Catholic women today. Thank you for joining us. Happy Thursday. All right. Hi, this is Mary. And this is Hannah. And you're with Caritas Christi. It's Dave Swalt number four already. Whoa. Yeah. Number four. Wow. Or maybe even five. I, I'm honestly losing track. That's how many there are. So you want to start with prayer? And then Absolutely. Max will give our quote and then we'll formally introduce him. Yes. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventitui Jesus, Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora plombis peccatoribus, nunc in ora mortis nostri. Amen. In nomine Patri, Filio, Spiritui Sancto. Amen. Amen. So the quote of the day, it has ever been my delight to learn or to teach or to write, St. Bede the Venerable. Alright, so do you want to introduce him because you've known him Oh yes, yeah. (laughs) So on this episode today we have Max and he, uh, we were on pilgrimage together when we went to Rome, Medjugorje, Lourdes, and Paris. It was Mm -hmm. an adventure and then... Uh, I, we both went to the same college, and we're both published authors, and he's now working in the trades, and yeah, he's an awesome person, also often attends Latin Mass with us, and yeah, he's going to be here talking about his his story and how God has worked in his life, just like we always do. So welcome, Max. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, so just to get to know you a little bit, well, I don't know if you want to share anything more about yourself before we get into yes. the... Yeah. I don't know if I did an appropriate yeah. job. Um, what else would you like to add before we get into yes. more of the teasers? We'll, we'll get into your conversion story, but anything else you would like to add before? Yeah, just some background on me. I grew up in a small town, and I uh, went to college not really knowing exactly what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to teach history in some capacity, and... Then I quickly realized, like, I don't really want to deal with the education system in any capacity, so... Hey! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Felt that. And the pay wasn't too good. That's... that's <clears throat> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I switched to just history, and then I added political science, because I had a lot of credits for that, and I really enjoyed studying that throughout college, and it helped um, kind of... Not perfect, but just procure my writing skills and kind of fine-tune them, and uh, helped me learn how to read and analyze really well and speak so yeah through yeah coming out of college I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do despite having this degree uh, I thought I want, wanted to work for the government work in an embassy but nah not right now um, <laughs> gee I wonder why <laughs> so I kind of like I prayed about it and I had several signs I asked for signs uh, what what I should do and carpentry kept coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the dog is uh, chewing on his bone. But yes. um, um, yeah. So I, I I prayed for some signs and I had three signs that pointed me towards carpentry and the trades. And right now I'm a, a specialty roofer and carpentry apprentice, and I love it. I love being in the sun, being outside, mm-hmm. working with other guys, and just hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool that's really cool thanks alrighty so this is the soul sing portion rapid fire style 
ideally. Ideally. <laughs> Hannah doubts that it's rapid fire. But anyway, mm. so uh, we'll do the best I doubt we can. most things, but. Yeah, that's true. You can what call is me that Thomas. contingent upon? <laughs> what? Hmm. What do you huh? mean? What do you mean? What is my doubt contingent upon? I guess. Sure. <laughs> uh, anyway, oh, so boy. Max, what types of the following make your soul sing? So food, hobbies, and devotion. So let's start with food. What type of food makes your soul sing? Uh, I, I would have to say spicy food, but particularly, uh, <laughs> what's so funny? <laughs> Our friend's listening uh, uh, and he's just reacting. It's, just, it's amusing me. I'm sorry. <laughs> spicy food, particularly uh, Indian, uh, so curries and like, uh, I like Thai food and Southeast Asian food, and also I really enjoy cooking Cajun food. I like eating Indian food, but I really like cooking Cajun food, like gumbo, and I have a jambalaya recipe, and mm-hmm. yeah, nice. really enjoy that. <laughs> Why haven't you made those for Sunday dinner yet? They're very time-consuming. Jambalaya uh, is like a five-hour process. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Okay. Fair All right. Um, and then what types of hobbies make your soul sing? Um, I don't have like any like hobbies that really stand out other than writing. I love to write and uh, as Hannah and Mary mentioned, I wrote a book and I just really enjoy writing fiction and nonfiction, uh, short stories, long stories, outlining, whatever it is. Just I enjoy writing and journaling and I spend like some some days I spend like an hour just journaling aside from writing, um, but other than that I like exercise like lifting and uh, I don't do too much running and but it's the winter so I'll probably bring that back up again and I like hiking and exploring nature and traveling if that could be considered a hobby. Yes, mm-hmm. biking. Biking, yes, like biking. yes, and learning foreign languages. That's all. That's also <laughs> fun. I guess that's a hobby. Um, all right, and then what types of devo- devotions, <laughs> devotions. <laughs> devotions make your soul sing? Um, so, yeah, I, I know a lot of Catholics obviously do the rosary, and the ro- the ro- I, I pray a decade every day, but it's mm-hmm. not, like, my primary thing that, like, sings to me, I guess you could say. <gasps> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think Saint Therese agreed. Like she was like that too about the rosary. So and she's a saint. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you don't have to. It's right. And I, I mean, I, I still love doing the rosary and mm-hmm. saying the rosary. But it's something uh, that I think grows on you over time too. Yes, definitely, so. definitely. Um, and but just different devotions. Like I found that like individualized, like tailored prayer to like. Or asking for the intercession of a particular saint, um, just repeatedly throughout it throughout a period of days in the mornings. Typically, nice. that's something I've done. So, like when I first became Catholic, I took a trip to Florida with my my friend Adam, um, not a pilgrimage or anything. But <laughs> but Saint Augustine, Florida, is like a really awesome um, like I guess you could call it a Catholic city because it was like the first city uh discovered by the spanish in um what is now the united states Mm -hmm. so there's lots of catholic shrines and lots of catholic history there Mm -hmm. and their patron is uh nuestra senora de la leche y buen parto uh which is our lady of uh milk and Mm -hmm. childbirth Mm -hmm. and i felt called to kind of like ask for her intercession even though i'm not a mother or anything but just to Mm -hmm. like kind of 
contemplate like <laughs> I know it kind of sounds like <laughs> odd but like to contemplate like femininity and stuff because like as a man that's what I'm drawn to and I just want to get a better picture of what that looks like in my mind by contemplating the the, the true feminine which is Mary yeah yes yeah that's that's awesome mm-hmm. that's really cool uh, and St. Joseph I would say too mm. yes yeah. year of St. Joseph Yes, the year of St. Joseph, that yeah. definitely has helped. Yeah. I think that's helped a lot of people, like, develop a devotion. Yes. Because they're yeah, going through the consecration, no. and they're just thinking about it. No. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Mary's tapping my dog on the muzzle, and he, he likes it. Um, and it's like, you're giving, you're giving me attention, so now he won't leave. Sit. No, good boy. <laughs> but but I find, like, the... The devotions I have are very much tailored to kind of the seasons I am in my life, like, mm-hmm. like just asking for different, the intercession of different saints and kind of contemplating like what their role was in Christ's story. Oh, okay. That's, and I forget who's your who's your patron because I, I don't Saint know. Saint Bede the Venerable. Okay. Oh, I read the quote from you. Okay. Yes. Nice. Nice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Sorry, the, the dog is very so, entertaining. Yeah, he's very uh, he's yeah, very very affectionate today. Yeah, <clears throat> we'll say that. Anyway, sorry, I totally missed that all, Max. The, yeah. the dog was just no me. worries. I listen, listen back. What? Yes. You yeah. can always listen. Yeah, there you go. That's true. Yes. Um. All right. So Hannah, this is your okay. Your time. So you said you wanted to wrap this all into one. You could, so you could. I guess I could start with this, and then we could just kind of like go mm-hmm. from there. Um, so how long have you been Catholic? Okay, so I've been Catholic, I believe it was, I, I came into the church in the Easter vigil of 2019. Okay, uh, that sounds yes. right. Yes, that's <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Okay. So. Yeah, so, and then how did that, how did that come about? How did that come about, yeah. yeah. So, Cause you're, so you're not, you're not a cradle, you're a convert. So right. where did that come from? Yeah. I'm, I'm a baby Catholic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And for those of those at home that haven't done the math, that's like less than three years. Now that I think about that. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. And yeah, so I guess I could start from the beginning when okay. I was a baby, <laughs> not a baby Catholic, but just a baby. <laughs> um, my, my mom, she, she grew up Catholic in a, pre-Catholic home uh, in Little Italy, Cleveland, and um, <laughs> um, I was never really raised Catholic or in a particular religion. Mm-hmm. I was baptized, quote-unquote, with uh, rose petals at uh, this, legit. Yes, this <laughs> unity church, which it's kind of like, it's kind of like a Protestant denomination, but it's like so far, it's like Protestant of Protestant, like it's... <laughs> It's oh, wow. so it's so out there. Like it's very new agey. A lot of influence from new oh, no. age spirituality. They have crystals. I don't know about crystals, but like uh. yeah, there's definitely like Buddhist influence and like all that sorts of stuff. But anyway, so I was kind of in that church, um, not very consistently growing up. I, I... <laughs> hi Theo. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, like, we didn't go every Sunday, and it was very much, I, I really, I'm still friends with people that go there, and I really appreciate their support um, in my life and everything, but it just was not, it didn't seem to be 
calling to who God really is. Um, but anyway, j- the, just moving on from that, like as I was growing up, I because I didn't have that religious framework, um, and my parents were they, they instilled Christian values in me, but very loosely, and I don't think they knew they didn't have like that understanding or explanations of like why this is the way we're you know why we should do the things that we do right 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 they didn't have that explanation for me and i was a really explanation driven uh child (laughs) which was a problem Uh, oh yeah and i was a very resistant child and very disobedient um (laughs) even through high school and I guess I still could be, but it's, um, I think it's a man thing. It could be like I've uh, seen other guys be I, super resistant in their childhood, and then kind of like even out as they get older. I guess I'm a man. I don't know. <laughs> Mary, Mary said it. I didn't say. It. <laughs> like I don't. I don't know. I just got more resistant as I got older. Like, like, it's like a reverse thing. <laughs> <laughs> that might just be the world we're living in, though. That's, that's true. Na- that's um, nature versus nurture. Mm. Right. Yeah. Anyways, so... Uh, um, so because I didn't have that framework... Um, well, something I should also note is that because my mom was raised Catholic, she still very much had her heart kind of, like, set in Catholicism. Like, we would go to those, mm-hmm. those Protestant services and everything, but I could just tell just in retrospect that she really wanted to be in something larger Mm -hmm. um and every christmas we wouldn't go to that protestant service we would go to mass we would go to Hmm. christmas mass sometimes midnight mass um and i was always like why are we going here what's happening (laughs) what are they saying yeah i don't understand what's going on but just that exposure and also because we have uh, Catholic relatives and friends more broadly from the people my mom grew up with I've been to more funerals than most children have I've probably been to like 20 funerals or something like that and mm. most of them were Catholic and that was another way I was exposed to the faith but just little seeds that were planted mm-hmm. um, but because I didn't have that real strong um, faith structure that in the home or just even going to church. Uh, I really kind of got sucked into the internet and into like different like ideologies and stuff, particularly the, the new atheist movement, which was like a movement that kind of spanned from pretty much nine 11. Mm. I guess you could still say it's going on, but it's really kind of been inviscerated since. Yeah. Um, but I really got interested in that. So like people like, Christopher Hitchens, uh, Dawkins, Sam Harris. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> all, all those people, yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. And I was really, I really took to heart a lot of their arguments, and I kind of, like, debate with my parents and, like, other people in, in school, and I, it, it was pretty bad. And <laughs> I always kind of had this feeling like I wasn't being super genuine with myself. Mm-hmm. And the, um, I, the cracks started to appear... When I, w- I was listening to, um, I think, Richard Dawkins and some of the others, and I was just listening to their arguments, and it wasn't really, they didn't really have a solid argument against religion that was satisfying against me. They were just kind of like dismissive mm-hmm. and um, just 
they didn't even like entertain the arguments. They're like, oh, that's just silly. Like, like um, body the presence of uh, Christ in the Eucharist. That's just silly. Just stuff like that. Like they didn't really address it. They didn't. Yeah, they just brushed it off as like, oh, how ridiculous. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Which is, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I was really into them, but then I another crack that kind of appeared is. I listened to a bunch of atheist podcasts, and one um, podcaster kind of really brought out that he, he said a statistic that in America, um, I think it was like 80% of atheists are Democrats, and I'm, I'm not Republican <laughs> or Democrat, but yeah. that kind of stood out to me because mm-hmm. I have always been pro-gun. That's like one of the first political issues I was into. Because I I knew everything in and out of like the arguments on both sides of that, mm-hmm. um, and pro gun, and I was very much a student of history even from an early age. So I saw like, hey, I'm kind of anti-government too. Like I don't like big governments. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of like subsidiary, even though I didn't know that's what it was called at the time. Yeah, um, you were searching for that. Yeah, and I was seeing that like other atheists like my age and older than me, they're they're just kind of going along with everything and cheering. Mm-hmm. these people on with these like terrible arguments and the these people like Richard Dawkins they're just kind of dismissing these political arguments as well like which had nothing to do with believing in god or not believing in god mm-hmm. um so that was another thing that kind of turned me off to it and then my mom came into the church which was i want to say this was uh, probably around between 2014 2016 she started coming into the church mm-hmm. and because her friends um, her friends were Catholic and they just kind of like, she was in book groups and stuff like that. And then she just came back into the church nice. and yeah, that, that really helped me. And I was, I was, that was the peak of me being resistant to her though, oh. um, because I was very much an atheist still, just not mm. so much a new atheist. And, um, it put a lot of strain on her family and I, I, I can still see that there's wounds in my family today that are just from that time of just not having that solid uh, church foundation when I was little to just me being like actively like a militant atheist in the house, just resisting everything just on principle. Mm. Um, So being exposed to Catholicism that way, that helped open the door. And then she graduated from Walsh in 2016, uh, Mm. finishing her degree there. And that I was like, oh, well, this seems like an interesting college. And it was actually my last choice. So then I started going there <laughs> or then, then I was started going there for like, um, visitations and stuff. It's like, oh, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, I don't know. It's Catholic. <laughs> like, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, but they had a good history program and all sorts of different things. And I got accepted into an honors program that was really helpful, uh, and it, became, it went from my last choice to first choice, nice. and yeah, that that was kind of like the beginning of the end because I was just <laughs> continuously exposed um, mm-hmm. to Christ and the church and everything that could be related to that. Yeah, um, they surrounded by it pretty much. Yeah. Um, and there was one moment I remember in particular because I was very interested in like different philosophies like Taoism, and also I was before right before I contemplated becoming Catholic, I was like 
also contemplating like paganism and stuff like looking into it uh, <laughs> like yeah, i had like what's that literally a heathen right yeah like, quite literally a heathen yeah. uh, or vulgarian or whatever you want to call them sure. um yeah and i i i, I remember i was in one of the chapels at walsh because even though i wasn't christian or catholic i would just go there and do my meditations and sort of prayer thing there um and one time I was in this tiny little chapel and like it was really late at night it was like nine or ten mm. and these people just started coming in I was like what's going on I didn't say that I was just like all right this is a little strange yeah and then um the a, a, a procession came with um Christ in the Eucharist um in the monstrance mm. and at the time, I really didn't know what to make of it, but um, <laughs> someone that we know, the the director of campus ministry, he actually said, he came up to me, he was like asking who I was, and was like, hey, like, do you know what's going on here? He's like, that's, that's Jesus there. And I was like, okay. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, we, it's just kind of a respectful thing that we kneel during this time, and I was like, okay so I was, like, <laughs> and I, was kind of, I was very uncomfortable because i didn't know what's going on like yeah. there's people showing up and praying and singing and it was like okay it's probably and, there honestly <laughs> yeah. yeah but i think that encounter looking back was very important just mm-hmm. like oh wow. like whoa here, okay here, here here he is yeah here's the god yes. of the universe right here yes in the chapel and i didn't i didn't know it then but yeah mm-hmm. that was very important to me um but yeah, so every time I tell my conversion story, I kind of tell it differently just because there's different ways I can go about it. And mm-hmm. I'd say like the real nail in the coffin was um, I had a professor at Walsh who really lived his faith and I really enjoyed his explanations of the faith. And I was actually really <laughs> kind of like, I, I held a grudge at the beginning of the class because I really didn't like how confident he was in his faith because I was like, mm. this is just because I didn't believe it. And I came out of the class, like believing a lot of the things um, he said and lived and practiced. And um, yes, mm. that's awesome. Yes. It's just, it's, it's really cool. Like to hear just as some, as somebody who teaches in a school, just like the impact that just one, just one teacher can have. Just, mm-hmm. just the example of that, not necessarily, like, I don't, you know, and maybe, unless you told this person, maybe they wouldn't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, so that's, that's cool that you get to tell him, but it's like, sometimes it's, sometimes it's not even just, and sometimes it is about the intentional relationships and those are good too, but sometimes it is just about the example and just living mm-hmm. the faith and just existing as a witness and... And people look look at you and go, hmm, interesting. <laughs> right, right. And then that's that's the next thing that they need to go further. Mm-hmm. So, because I, really cool. I I saw it in him, uh, like how to live a Christian life and specifically a Catholic life, and I I, I wanted that for myself. And mm-hmm. I at that point I knew the statistics that like if you if you raise a child in a religious home, like there's all these sorts of positive outcomes that I couldn't mm-hmm. quite make sense of but I was yeah like, like I had already accepted that if I'm gonna have kids I, I wanted to have some sort of like religious religious foundation or education for them and that just really is like huh well <laughs> that's that and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Right. 
Mm. So, um, at what point, what point did you say, oh, I need a, because you came into the church 2019. Yes. So, oh, so that would have, what, 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 um, do I need to get closer? (laughs) Probably. Um, (laughs) oh, there you go. Um, like how did I make that next step? Yeah. Like, cause what, yeah. At what point did you, and that, what point of, um, college was that? Would you have been like a junior, senior? Uh, no, that was, I think that was spring freshman year. So that was spring 2018. And um, I remember kind of writing a little letter note to that professor saying like, hey, thank you. And I didn't really think too much about it going forward. But obviously um, the church was becoming more and more a part of my life being at the university and making more friends that were Catholic. And uh, my mom seeing me being more willing to come to mass and everything. Uh, she just signed me up for RCIA. I didn't even ask her to. I was like, why'd you do that? I mean, <laughs> like, she didn't even tell me. She's like, hey, I, uh, I signed you up for RCIA last week. Uh, they're going to expect you being there. So, show <laughs> so up you might at as this well time. And, yeah. And That's funny. So I went to RCIA, and this was what was crazy, is I walked in. And I saw my best friend from high school, who I who I had no clue had had any interest in the Catholic faith or like coming into the church or anything. But he mm-hmm. was coming to the church as well at the same time. At the same time, <laughs> and also my ex girlfriend from high school, who was Catholic and very much wanted me to become Catholic years earlier. And like I just saw that as like another sign. It's like okay, there's people here I know that I really appreciate and like adore and trust so why like yeah this, there's obviously something going on here mm-hmm. and going through RCIA not everything was explained to me but I really got a better understanding of the faith and it got to that point where it's like it, it the, the, the point of no return where you can become Catholic or you can just kind of like drop out of the program yeah which i think it was like right around christmas or right after christmas or so mm-hmm. so i was like ah, i guess i'll stay <laughs> so i then so i asked my then uh girlfriend to be my sponsor because she's a faithful catholic mm-hmm. and uh she was very helpful and um just being there for me which is what i needed but the relationship did not end up working out uh so which is fine, but mm-hmm. um, I ended up asking my roommate, who's one of my best friends uh, in college, and uh, to ask to be my sponsor. And he was just like I was saying w- with my previous sponsor, like he was he he knew that he just needed to be there. Like it wasn't it wasn't so much that I had like a ton of questions or mm-hmm. that I was asking him to say a bunch of prayers for me or pray with me. It was just like he knew that I needed him to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and came into the church in Easter uh, that year. Yeah, there were a lot of people from uh, from Walsh that I remember converting and coming into the church that year. Yes, that year was. was There's so like many a people. Dozen, yes. at least. Yes, <laughs> it, was, it was like yes. Yes, I I remember um, before Easter we had to go to the cathedral. I can't remember what it's called, but like we basically just have to have someone there with us, not even our sponsor, but just like kind of say like, Hey, I want to go forward. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the term for it is. I think it might be the right of election. It, it might be, yes. Um, and they're just listing off all these parish names and like, there's so many people there. It's like a packed, it, the cathedral is packed with people. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, and then my own uh, class, I guess if you could call it that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we had like, uh, I, I want to say like 20 plus people in it. Wow. Yeah. That's there's awesome. couples, there's all sorts of stuff. Yeah, just like all uh, people from all kinds of walks of life. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was probably quite the Easter vigil, huh? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. It was long. Yeah. Really, really beautiful. The yes. more, the more baptisms, the better. Mm-hmm. That's when I always get excited <laughs> yeah. when people are baptized because I'm like, yes. Because mm-hmm. you're really coming from, like, you had a, yeah, yeah. Can, like almost nothing because you mm-hmm. have to be baptized too. Because there are a lot, you know, there are a lot of baptisms within other denominations that are trinitarian and recognized mm-hmm. by the church so seeing somebody like get baptized it's like yeah ba- oh, okay baptism is like when we are adopted in to christ yes yeah so then i get really excited <laughs> is that cool you're like oh i'm being baptized the right way this time yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah not with yeah. a rose petal that, yeah that was a joke with my family yeah yeah <laughs> no rose petals this time <laughs> yeah uh, I'm sure your mom was thrilled too that yeah, you stuck I, it through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she I, must have had a thought. It's so funny because I know a lot of guys, you know, they, they want to, you know, as we said, you want to independent, <laughs> but <laughs> somehow your mother had some influence on you. So, right, whatever right. she did yeah. worked. Right, right. I feel like a lot of guys would be like, "Oh, mom, I'm not going to do that." <laughs> so, I mean, in terms of like the RCIA program and being signed up for I it. Know, I know my own brother would probably just not do something just because my mom suggested it. You know, <laughs> like, well, since it was your idea, now I don't like it anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the dog. So yeah, so then when we went on pilgrimage, like you were, very, oh yeah, very baby yeah. Catholic. Yes. So what was that like? The pilgrimage for you, yeah. I didn't know. Well, I didn't know what everything was and what was going on, but like, <laughs> I had like a pretty good sense of like Rome because I I love Rome in mm. just like a history sense. So yeah. I was like, oh, this is this is the place. This is the place I've always wanted to be. Mm-hmm. It's in Rome. Um, yeah, like I don't know. It was just it was really interesting seeing all the different pilgrimage sites and mm-hmm. getting to pray at those places. Um, it's still something I'm trying to <laughs> unpack. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it takes a long, it takes a long time to really fully appreciate it. And I was actually, so a couple days ago, the fourth graders shadowed our fifth graders at school mm. for a day. And so I got to teach fourth and fifth grade for a day um <laughs> along with uh sixth and seventh grade so i added a grade to my repertoire but i was we did religion and this past week there was it was the feast of the dedication of the basilicas of saint peter and paul mm. so i was showing them pictures that i had taken of saint peter's and just talking to them about the basilicas and about these two saints and when i was pulling up the pictures of these basilicas and the ones i had taken the the looks on those kids faces they were like it's like yes like isn't this amazing like this is your heritage yeah and i feel like a lot of people have just been robbed of it so i think that's really Mm -hmm. a blessing that we get to go and that you got to see it like right after be like okay this is 
This right. is what I've just come into. This is all mine now. This is right, right. You know, and yeah, there are a few different shrines that we went to on the pilgrimage that really just kind of like stick out super vividly in my memories. Mm-hmm. One of them is uh, um, St. Peter's tomb below St. Peter's Basilica. Oh, just yes. like looking in that room for like five seconds. And yeah, like the, the crypt. The, yeah, the mosaic of, it was either Christ Pentocrator or Peter, that's probably Christ though. And mm-hmm. it was just a beautiful mosaic and it was very, very ancient looking. And it, there's just some places and some times um, that are, they feel like hyper real. Like we go through every day in reality, obviously, but there's just mm-hmm. some hyper real moments that really stand out and that was one of them and also the the second one i can't remember the saint's name but it was it's kind of a morbid shrine it was like um is it with the skulls no oh, i wish was, <laughs> it, was, it was a it was a woman was it the miraculous metal shrine? no i it was a it was a saint who was martyred uh I, potentially in the streets or something mm. of rome i would i want to say like in the 300s or earlier for being christian Okay. And she kind of had like a wax mask on, um, and like there's a like a cut in the wax in her throat or something mm. with like blood dripping down, and like it was her actual body, and like you mm. can kind of see her ha- hands were pretty skeletal, and that was very um, that just made it real, like it put like everything yeah. kind of like unified all the different times that. Christianity has existed and just kind of like put everything together. It's like I'm Wait. here. So her body was her body incorruptible then? I don't Someone, know. Somewhat maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's I, not like there's like different degrees of incorrupt. Right. So I think her name might be Victoria or San Victoria or something. Maybe. Yeah, the Church of San, Vict- San Victoria. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it was very cool. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ugh. I love cool. that so much. Um, do you want to ask him about maybe relating to the book and podcast? Sure. So you have your own stuff to kind of like plug. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. So unless I'm gonna want, ask sorry, you. Actually, wait. Unless we want to, is there anything else from your conversion story that you would like to add, or like anything that surprised you from learning about your faith? Sorry. <laughs> um, I guess something else. <laughs> I, well, I appreciate you saying that because, like, mm-hmm. something I want to note is. Even though I became Catholic on Easter um, 20, 2019, uh, I really didn't own it until after uh, I became Catholic. And I think it's just, for me, and um, just conversion is a continual process. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not just something you come into once and then you do, you do the rites and then you're done. It's, yeah. it's something you actively participate in and it's something... Faith is something that actively increases, hopefully, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, God willing. And it's, yeah, it's, I would say that I've discovered so much about the faith and God since coming into the church. Like, even just, I would say, like, in this last year, there's been so much. And even, like, in the last six months, it's been, like, more than ever, especially with, like, meditating on scriptures and stuff. Like, this is what's actually being said, and this is like the story that we all are being fit in, mm-hmm. fit into with our baptism and through Christ's death and resurrection, we're coming into this all together, and it's 
It's crazy. It's <laughs> so much stuff. Yes. Mm, yeah. That's super cool. I think that's, um, I mean, I always feel like as cradle Catholics, like it's, um, I think it's, it's cool to see your conversion story because I think it makes God even more real. Mm. You know, because mm-hmm. like you, you are an atheist and now you're a Catholic. So right. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, God is like, cause, and you, and, and it's not, none of your experiences like emotional, you know, based on emotions, it's all very much like trying mm. to strive for truth. And mm-hmm. so it's all very, you know, it's not like, oh, right. you know, fluffy or anything. Like it's pretty, yeah. you know, non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. You can't like look at that and be like, oh, God's not real. Yeah. Right, right. You know. Yeah. And some people do have like emotional experiences that then lead lead them to look at the church and then and then they have that like, oh, this makes sense mm-hmm. moment later. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes for other people it's like reverse. They have like the more like personal, emotional type of like experiences later, mm-hmm. but because they're seeking like what makes sense, like like just using the reason part of it going wait, like this actually kind of checks out. And then, then, then they're like, whoa, this is actually really, really cool. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So yeah, it's a, it's a different process for everybody. But I just, that's something I love about Catholicism is, in general is you're never done. No. Like <laughs> you, you, no. you will never like, you, you don't have enough lifetimes to learn all there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you can always learn more. There's always more there's always another saint there's always another devotion Mm -hmm. there's always just more to your heritage that you just can keep absorbing and and discovering constantly and it's and it's actively being created too Mm -hmm. it's not it's not a dead church it's very much alive Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. yeah and i've thought about that recently just like the just sheer volume of like saints and devotions and stuff like Mm -hmm. what we choose and what we're called to um use in our own prayer life it's like it could be any of those things, but it yeah. happened to be that one saying it happened to be that one devotion. And it's really interesting how all, all that kind of mm-hmm. comes together. Yeah, yeah. You don't really find them most of the time. They find you like you get Saint socked, like, <laughs> <laughs> like Hello, Saint Saint Bede. Yeah. <laughs> you just have them like following you. I have, I have some other ones that will just kind of like pop up. Like St. Benedict stalked me for a while. Mm. <laughs> um, St. Joan of Arc stalked me for a while. So like mm-hmm. then I just kind of yeah. like add my add my little St. Friends yeah. along to my mm-hmm. journey. St. <laughs> Zita picked me for nice. my business. So yeah. But it's one of those things whenever they pick you, especially with her, I'm like, you picked me. So whenever I'm like struggling, I'm like, girl, you picked me. So you got to come. <laughs> like, like, I don't know why you picked me, but you picked right. me. So. Yeah. so like, this is your fault now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you have to make this work. Yeah. So, um, and then kind of just like another like, um, question based mm-hmm. on a lot of stuff that's going on in our church. Cause I think that was like this, you came into the church the summer before everything with my carrot came out. Right. Because that was 2019, so, because I think that would have been 2019, Mm -hmm. and all that. That was over two years ago now? I don't even know. Is that over a year ago? (laughs) But it's just interesting, you know, all the stuff that's gone on with, like, Mm -hmm. the scandals and and COVID and all that whatnot, so it's like, Mm -hmm. how has that influenced, like, that, I mean, obviously it doesn't seem like you're disillusioned with the church because of that, but, you know, it's probably, what is it like coming into a church and then being like, whoa, wait, there's all this stuff. Yeah. Um, honestly, that was never really, not, not, not that it wasn't consideration, but it was never really a question because I just kind of saw it like, oh yeah, well this, I mean, 
the church, it's instituted by Christ, but there's humans in it, so of course it's going to happen. Yeah. I, d- I just never it's really... Be messed up, yeah. Yeah. It, until recently, I really haven't paid to any mind to scandals. Like, okay, mm-hmm. well, you pray for these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, expose some things if you know about them. But yeah, right. I, yeah. yeah, and just root out the rot wherever you can if you, yeah. if you see it. But yeah. the, the beauty so much exceeds just the ugliness of the human aspect. Ooh, <laughs> it's, so mm-hmm. it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. This, and yeah. Hannah, I, I, I heard you say this on one of the podcasts, and I've heard other people say this, that like the, the, the what is it, the road, the road he- to... hell is paved with the skulls of bishops. Yeah, and priests, yeah, bishops, and popes, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I took that from St. John Chrysostom. So. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> and yes. he was very... His bishop. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. for him to say that, it's kind of like he's, he wasn't just... Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't a layperson saying that. He was mm-hmm. one of the people saying, like, no, I have greater responsibility and mm-hmm. there is more on my soul because, right. because of this position that I have. Mm-hmm. And I think... That's that kind of the is the appropriate response to somebody who struggles with it. And he's like, no, listen, like the church isn't saying that they that not any of this is okay. And then as a matter of fact, like it's it's even more so not okay because if they're in a higher position, then that makes it more like mm-hmm. we even believe that they will face a harsher judgment just because of that. Yeah. So well, and it's just doesn't Jesus say to those mo- to those more who are given the more will be expected from them. Yes. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. So and it, Dante has a special spot for those kind of priests in Inferno. Yeah. So yes, he does. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not very theological because he just he also just put people in hell. They just didn't like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because but, he was yeah. kicked out of Florence, but, yeah. <laughs> but putting his personal enemies in there. Yes. I I will say this too, Max. Kind of like bringing it more like with the faith and whatnot, and, mm-hmm. you know, and I, this is just like a reflection I've been having. So, you know, it kind of connects to what you're saying. Um, I think at the end of the day, like, I think the, the Catholic faith is so beautiful because it has so much truth and it's an inheritance. But I also think like at the root of it is our relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And what I'm realizing is like we, cause like, I think we're trying to root sin out of us so we can go to heaven one day and maybe spend as little time in purgatory as possible. Yeah. Um, but I'm realizing like, there's such a wealth of, you know, it's one. It's funny because you'll be like, oh, like I'm growing in like trust with God, and you kind of come to a point where you're like, oh, I'm like growing and being able to abandon in this way or that way, and then you kind of, you're like, oh, I'm doing really great, and then like, <laughs> yeah. and then you pray to let your humility. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just think that's like the faith in general. Like I feel like there's just so many ways to grow deeper in relationship with God and Jesus and yes. grow in trust and, um. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like. You know, we're never done until we're we're dead, yeah. And then well, hopefully yeah. we're in heaven then. <laughs> yeah, the, like the process of holiness is also the same as like the process of learning your inheritance because you're growing in that as well. Just it's not because it's not just about the knowledge; it's about like perfecting the virtue. Yeah, mm-hmm. just figuring out and you know just discerning your vocation, big V, little V, making sure like what's what's sanctifying. And I've been thinking about this a lot, like teaching is extremely sanctifying (laughs) and it won't be for like everybody, but it really is for me because, um, specifically where I'm at, I pray so much more than I probably would throughout the course of a day anywhere else. Cause I pray a decade of the rosary with, with the kids, um, before religion class, I pray at the beginning of the day and the end of the day with them. 
and we sing hymns and we mm-hmm. we do so much that's just faith centered and then they get to have that experience too uh-huh. so and they test my patience sometimes it's okay our next question <laughs> is about you know where god has called you today but um kind of like before we get into like your book and mm-hmm. podcast um did you ever have a question when you first came into the faith about like priesthood versus married life and you know i don't know if you want to tell us a little bit about that um, we kind of talked about this a little bit last week just mm-hmm. among friends and like i've i've prayed about vocations like a lot um but just with signs and just god answering my prayers in different ways like it mm-hmm. it seems clear that uh, god is calling me to married life but i don't know in what capacity and i mean that huh? could change what do you mean i by might that? <laughs> well, like, capacity <laughs> like I don't, I don't know if like i would perhaps pursue like the diaconate if they would have me or something like that yeah. um, but that's not something it's you that's... as a deacon max thanks <laughs> 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 um but yeah it's that's not something that's been put on my heart too heavily. So like mm-hmm. marriage is like the first thing, like, you know. Yeah. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. I just no, wonder, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. we, we always have the conversations about what is it? The church, Sharon's or Karen's? The, the ch- church, church is Susan. Susan. Oh, yeah. church, Susan. Yeah. 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 We'll yes. come and be like, hey, you're coming to the church regularly. Have you thought about being a priest and whatnot? And right. it's yeah. Hannah's favorite thing. Mm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've had that happen explicitly. Mm. Now, you, now you will just because you said yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. how that works. Yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, I got, I was on vacation with my relatives um, and I was like the youngest person there by several generations. So that was fun. Um, so it was interesting cause I was just, I, it was in the morning and like I'm on vacation and I'm, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to read confessions. So I'm reading confessions and sipping my coffee. And then because I was reading confessions, two of my relatives told me I should be a nun within like <laughs> literally five minutes. And I was like, no, this literally isn't how this works. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of sorry this total tangent but it's interesting Mm. with the elderly because i think like i remember my grandma before she passed away she's always just concerned with the state of the church and Mm. you know how you keep it going and it's interesting because i have this image whenever i go to the we go on vacation um to uh, north carolina and there's this older parish there and it's very 60s vibes they have all these things that they try and do to keep to keep you know the young adults like trying to make it relevant and Mm -hmm. all this stuff and as i've grown in understanding the latin mass like going this past summer was very interesting um (laughs) or just understanding you know the rubrics of the liturgy right yeah because like like, one of their things is like holding hands for the our father and they're like discourage you from kneeling around communion time because we're trying to be in union and standing with each other and Mm. and they have all these other things that they do and it's like i literally just want to tell the priest like if you're trying to keep the youth like this is not the way (laughs) i mean i i don't know if i've shared did i share this on the podcast last week but like i do a nocturnal adoration with my high school girl high school girls High school girls. We got 19 girls to come spend the night. And all we did was we put Jesus up there. We had confessions. We had some books. Why not? But Jesus was there. That's mm-hmm. all we did. Yeah, and they're no high school show, girls. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're, yeah, they're, it was nothing fancy. So. Because they don't want that. They don't want the bells and whistles of the world. Anymore. No. 
They just want the this. They love. We we I even say had, they, but it's me too. <laughs> we we even had it. We had two ten year olds out there were there, and they were so devout. They were like at four a.m. Nora said she was like crying because she's like the world. You know, it's like hard to see what's going on in the world, but then you see this, and you're like, there's hope. Mm-hmm. How could there not be hope? Because they were so attentive to being with Jesus. Because mm-hmm. you know, Jesus says, "Can you not stay with me one hour?" Yeah. Right. So right. anyway, sorry. That's total tangent. So anyways, um, what did I say wrong? <laughs> you just gotta learn to ignore this at this point. Ah. <laughs> All right. So uh, here, you take over. Okay. Question for what? How did God call you? Where you where you are today with the book and stuff? Yeah. So you have a lot of different projects going on besides yeah. the trades and everything. So how did how did God call you to where you are with with those things? And if you want to talk a little bit about them, you can do that too. <laughs> sure. Um. Yeah, so as I mentioned, I'm a writer, and I just came out with a book. Uh, the book is called To Speak is to See, uh, Guide to the Dual Literate Generation. And it actually doesn't really have <laughs> anything to do with like faith or religion explicitly, although I do uh, shoehorn a few saint quotes in there and a few uh, religious things. But that's not the focus of the book. The focus of the book is like how to learn a language in a... Um, in a holistic, um, effective way that is not necessarily entertaining, but it keeps you engaged and it keeps mm-hmm. you uh, a- in acquiring this language, not learning it, but acquiring it, um, keeps you in the uh, keeps you on the journey for the the long haul. It because the reason I wrote this really is because a lot of my language education. Uh, I think is very similar to the rest of the United States where mm-hmm. you go to high school, you may, maybe you go to middle school and you get like a few classes of Spanish or something. And then you go to high school and then you have to take two years of French or Spanish or maybe German or Mandarin if you have it at your school. Mm-hmm. But then that's yeah, pretty much it. And it's not really expected that you're going to learn it fluently. Yeah. Like there's like no expectation no. on the children that they're going to learn it fluently. <laughs> None. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes in these classes, you'll spend a lot of time um, just memorizing verb charts and conjugations and like the animals of the zoo and <laughs> like weird things that really don't have any bearing on like actual speaking, yeah. actual speaking. So yeah. what I did is I, I wanted to learn French to fluency in a, in um, like in a good way, like an actual way of like how you learn languages, like how other people learn languages. So I started doing a bunch of research how people actually do that and Mm -hmm. I interviewed a bunch of my friends and people I went to school with and people I know and professionals and stuff like how they learn second languages like some people like one of my friends uh Elliot he speaks four languages and he was just explaining like yeah I didn't really like put too much effort into it it was more of like a necessity thing so like Mm -hmm. how can you bring the I how can you bring um learning a language for someone where it's a necessity, how can you bring that to someone where it's not? Mm-hmm. So my book is kind of guided, uh, it's targeted at Americans and other primarily English-speaking countries like the UK, Australia, New Zealand, mm-hmm. Canada, where you only learn English and you're really only expected to know English um, because I think those countries are different. And I in the book, I explain like why, in, a, in this massive country of America, why we really only speak English Mm-hmm. Or Spanish, like there's no, there's no in between. There's no in between. Well, there there is, but it's like it's yeah. not. It there's kind of like a separation there. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
yeah, so like why that is like historic, historically, geographically, but I also go into like practical tips with my own experiences in uh, traveling and I include, I think, a story or two from the pilgrimage, just kind of like <laughs> talking about like some interesting language things that happened there. Um, yeah. So yeah, I just kind of like talk about languages and it it's meant to be a language guide. So like you can pick up a book that teaches you French or Czech or Chinese or something, but this isn't going to teach you a specific language. It's going to teach you how to learn a language, mm -hmm. which I think is more important than actually just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, once you know how to learn something or how to... Yes. Like, this was something I discussed with my class because it was like, okay, you, like maybe you know how to write an essay, but do you know how to like plan an essay and go through mm -hmm. the writing process? Because knowing how to go guide yourself through the writing process is a bigger skill than just, oh, yeah, I can crank out a five-paragraph essay and not think right. about it. Okay, right. cool. But can you adapt yourself to what you need to do? because it's going to get harder. Like, <laughs> So you have to be able to like guide yourself through the writing process no matter what you're being asked to do. And that's mm -hmm. what I'm trying to do with my kids. Like, It's just, it's not about um, how, how you are, like what your finished product is so much as how you get there and you need to know how to, how to get there and map yourself. Right. Because otherwise, like as soon as you don't have somebody holding your hand and be like, okay, you're going to do... You're going to write this. You're going to write this way. You know, yeah, like plan it this way. You're like, crap. Right. How do, like I used to be able to do this. Now how, how do I just like write it? How do I plan something? Because if you don't know where to start with something, that's a way, mm -hmm. that's like a way bigger problem. Right, right. And kind of starting things is something I talk about in the book. I have a chapter called Door Wedging, and it's basically just talking about how a language is this massive daunting thing with like tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of words. Mm -hmm. But the way we need to approach it is by looking at it a little bit more simply. Instead of trying to memorize all these words, just try to memorize the 100 to 1,000 most commonly spoken words. That's one of the pieces of advice I give. Because mm -hmm. once you do that, you actually... There's like... There's another chapter in the book that talks about this principle and... Mary, you actually brought it up, like, the, the Matthew principle, which is, like, yes. to more that – what is it? The to, the to one has much, more will be given. To one have, who has little, even what he has will be taken away. Right, right. Yeah. So it's kind of like – that. there's obviously specific theological implications to that that mm -hmm. are different. Yes. But, but there's also an implication button in, in education, too, so. Right, right. And what I, what I was talking about in the book is, like, there's this – 80-20 principle where like 20% of like 20% um, of people have 80% of the wealth and 80% of the people only have 20% of the wealth stuff like mm -hmm. that and that number and that distribution shows up and that's how language works mm -hmm. is that once you know 100 to 1000 uh, of the most spoken words in a language you actually know 95 to 90 95 to 90 99% of um, all the words that are spoken in a given sentence. Mm -hmm. And actually, if you take, like, English, only 10 words make up 25% of words all sp spoken in every sentence. <laughs> which is kind of crazy. That is crazy. Wait, yeah. so repeat that one more time? So, 10 words in English, like, I think they're like, I, you, to, is, but, from, mm -hmm. words like that, those 10 words make up 25% of all words spoken. So, 
that's kind of the principle. But yeah. anyway, I just talk about stuff like that in the book and um, interesting linguistic facts and like how language learning works in the mind, the brain, and all that sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. That's very cool. Thanks. <laughs> And then here. what led you to doing the podcast? Did we inspire you? <laughs> <laughs> Actually a little bit. So like <laughs> just seeing oh, seeing cool. friends do a podcast was like, oh, well, this is a lot more doable than I thought it was. Because mm-hmm. I kind of played it out in my head like, <laughs> oh, this is this is a daunting thing. But really it's just, I think you got to um, get those first few things done, like all mm-hmm. the knowing stuff at first, making accounts, getting software, getting microphones, <laughs> all yeah, that stuff. That. Yeah. That's the most, that's the hardest part probably. Um, but my podcast, it's in conjunction with my book, but it doesn't focus on languages solely. Mm-hmm. So what my podcast is about, it's about language, symbolism, and psychology, and how language and symbols have affected our views on religion and religious views. Hmm. Uh, the podcast is called uh, The Edamos Podcast. Uh, which is in conjunction with my YouTube channel, which I don't really post on too much, <laughs> Edamos Max. And Edamos just means truth. It's a Greek word for truth. And um, I talk about all sorts of different things. So in my first episode, I talk about like how, what is the symbolism of the eye? Like, well, why is it? Or how, well, I explain it pretty well in my podcast, but... Basically, what I'm trying to do with the podcast is take the symbolic worldview, which is like the worldview that 99% of humanity has had for all time up until the modern era, era, and then humanity has kind of trained themselves to forget about, um, trying to explain the symbolic worldview and how internalizing that can help us have a happier, more meaningful life and not be so stuck in the world. Um mm-hmm. And as I, I explained this in the intro of my podcast, like that might not make a lot of sense, but like it's something you kind of have to internalize, something I had to internalize over quite a long time, um, understanding symbolism and how it works. And mm-hmm. um, the whole fact that I have to explain symbolism is like a, it's a, it's a consequence of the modern world. Like ancient yeah. people, or not even ancient people, but like people like 1800s prior, they understood symbols. They just saw mm-hmm. as like, oh, an eye, that means vigilance, that means consciousness, but they wouldn't be able to explain it to you. They'd just be like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that, that means that. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, even, even like you give somebody flowers and like they would have hmm. like little books where you could like somebody give you flowers and there was symbolism attached to flowers. Like mm. you could send like secret messages to people with fl- the flowers that you gave them. Right, um, right. And there's still, there's still a lot of that. Like, like some of them have been like some of them have stayed like like roses mm-hmm. were meant to mean love but like mm-hmm. i don't know there's one there's ones that are like you're my worst enemy like flowers, yes, yeah, just, yeah. like flowers that mean that so right like, that's kind of cool i think we've kind of <laughs> forgot uh, a lot of like symbolism just not not mm-hmm. even understanding what symbols are but just using symbolism so like 1900s 1800s men would wear like black armbands if they knew or if they were mourning for someone mm-hmm. as a symbol of mourning or like with that flower thing you're talking about like if you give someone i think it's like an even number of roses versus an odd number it means a different thing mm-hmm. yeah all this is sorts of 
stuff like that. And symbolism is everywhere. It's it's in it's not just confound religion. It's like in every mm-hmm. aspect of life. Well, it makes me think about like uh, different color uh, veils, where oh. it's like traditionally, yeah. um, you know, like white is for somebody who's unmarried, and then black is for a married woman or a widow. Huh. Um, I did not know that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. So that's why you've never seen me wear a black veil. Because <laughs> like, awkward. Maybe one day. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Maybe one day. <laughs> but I do. Right now, what I usually do with my veils is I like rotate out liturgical colors. Um, awesome. And, and match liturgical colors, which I probably will keep doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, yeah, that is the one of the symbol symbolisms. Just that's like. I see all the time and that I partake in. So mm-hmm. that was one of what I instantly thought. So I had to get, I had to get, um, when my students wanted veils, I was like, okay, we're getting white ones. <laughs> <laughs> I gave them some other color options, but they wanted white. Mm. So, okay. Sorry. Just still, um, sorry. I'm totally, no, you're good. Back Go. to, back to his podcast. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have great appreciation because your second episode looks really fun. It's, it's called Let the Pumpkin Spice Flow, yes. and you're talking all about the new Dune, and yes. it's really cool because you said um, that the languages of the Duneverse relate to, but are different from the languages of the Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Yes, yes. Um, so that's kind of a cool connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how long ago, like time-wise, because Dune isn't new. No, it's it was, it's yeah. written... The it movie written is, in, but the book's not, yeah. Yeah, 1965, and there's a... There's a whole series of books that Frank Herbert wrote, and then when he died, his son took over and wrote like even more books. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a movie in the '80s. All Dune fans will pretty much tell you it was terrible because mm-hmm. um, they're trying to condense this massive book into like two yeah. hours. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. There's but no the, way. But the new movie is really good. Um, it's like two hours forty minutes or something, and it's Ooh. just the first part of the book. Wow, it's like that's that's a very good way of doing that. Yeah, um, very Lord of the Rings style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, what? Because are they, so are they like contemporaries of each other or? No, I don't think they knew each other. So I think Tolkien would have. Yeah, he would have been earlier. Um, but if you talk to like fiction authors a lot of the times they'll tell you like who are if you ask them for advice they'll say like can you give me some like worlds or some some uh books to look at to inspire inspire me and um the response i've always gotten is like look at tolkien he's really good at languages and building Mm -hmm. like these like this whole system this world system uh with cultures and history and everything Whereas uh, they also say, like, you should look at Frank Herbert because he does a really good job at um, cultures and ecology and, like, what environments look like and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. he was an ecological journalist. Oh. Yeah. That's really cool. Very cool. Uh, and was, what, do you know what, um, believe, because obviously Tolkien was Catholic, but. So, actually, so the, the Dune episode I'm splitting into two parts. The first part. Uh, is the language one which you were looking at uh, the second part talks about all all about religion because dune is just it's there's so much religion in it it's it's really interesting um and frank herbert he i i kind of rant about this a lot how he <laughs> i he talks about this in interviews like he's trying to tell the messiah story without telling the jesus story like mm-hmm. that's his whole thing 
And my conclusion is that obviously fails and there's a million reasons why it fails. Like he just inevitably tells like this weird pagan version of mm. Christian, the Christian story, huh. but it's really interesting. Like there's a lot of figures that mirror to biblical figures. Like hmm. there's, they just can't avoid, they yeah. just can't, he can't just avoid, he just can't avoid that. He can't avoid no, it. And he was raised Catholic in. too. So. Oh, wait, what? He was raised Catholic. Oh, so is he? I was well, dead, but <laughs> <laughs> he, I think I kind Probably of last the impression. Yeah, yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I. That's the impression I got. Also, just kind of last Sad. question until we ask you the kind of like the closing question. Okay. Why is this episode called "What the Pumpkin Spice Flow"? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm to just... the uninitiated, that probably sounds weird. Um, it's <laughs> uninitiated. <laughs> wow. Condescending. <laughs> yeah. Well, in Dune, there's this stuff called spice, and it's like this drug. This a psychoactive drug, and it's only found on one planet in the universe, Dune. Um, and there's this, uh, it allows you to live unnaturally long, and it also allows you to have uh, long-distance space travel. And there's this Twitter account that came out maybe like five years ago. Mm-hmm. He just takes a bunch of um, Dune quotes with spice in it, and he adds pumpkin in front of it. So he'll say like... Um, he who controls the pumpkin spice controls the universe and stuff like that. And he'll have like these weird Photoshop things. That's and, funny. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Well, yes. thank you for uh, bringing us. I don't know if this makes us more hip or what this <laughs> makes us more. Mm, I don't know. Something. Anyways. It's more something. Yeah. You figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, oops. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay. Um, so, do you mind if I ask him this question? Go ahead. Thanks. I don't know. I need your permission. <laughs> Um, so what is some inspiration and advice that you would like to share in regards to living according to God's will and living the love of Christ out? Um, uh, this one is, anyways, yeah. So particularly with like wherever you're at with your particular calling and vocation and whatnot. So just advice to give more generally and yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I wrote some things down. Uh, I would say like, don't let your faith shrink to mediocrity. Ooh. Um, and that is to say, don't make your faith simply a hobby. <laughs> it's so tempting. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. like I would say, especially oh, I speak for myself, but as a convert, it can kind of seem like because we take, because we take this faith on, it's not something that we're given as a baby. Um, it can kind of almost seem kind of like an optional thing at times. And it's, and it's not, it, it's something, it's not a hobby. You gotta, you gotta, fully immerse your life into this mm-hmm. um and there's no point in being lukewarm uh like i think the bible says the lord vomits tepidness it's just mm-hmm. yeah what what is the point of being any one thing if you're not going to be all in into it it's yeah when you're many things you're nothing and um because to be christian is to be called to take up your cross and bear suffering for the sake of others and even if we do not die in this way, to be a Christian is to be willing to die mm-hmm. a martyr for Christ as died for us, as Christ died for us. And uh, be willing, I think something I've been thinking about a lot lately and um, not in, for any reason in particular, but just mm-hmm. be willing to be a martyr because, I mean, if we're not willing to die for our faith, what is the point of having this faith? Mm-hmm. Um, but don't rush to your death as... St. Paul warned in the epistles, like, you don't want to rush to martyrdom. Mm-hmm. Um, 
never stop exploring the faith, but take time to reflect in all of it all. So explore, be curious, but also be anti-curious. Just kind of like sit in the awe of it, which I think is what Tolkien does a lot. Like he, he's very, in his Lord of the Rings, he's like very curious about things. But at the same time, he's like, no, stop being curious. Just revel in this. Just look at how beautiful everything is and don't just let the mystery be a mystery. Like mm-hmm. you, you're not going to have an answer to this, so don't try to get an answer. Um and give generously in prayer and corporal works and nothing is lost in acts of mercy. All right. That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> That's Build really up cool. treasures in heaven. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thank you for being on with us. Thank you for having me. Of course. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> and uh, in the show notes, we'll include links to your book and your podcast so people can check those out. Awesome. And yeah. Thank you. Of course. We <laughs> have... Do we have a quote that's specifically for Deus Vult to end with? I mean, we usually just end with our normal one. Oh, okay. But yeah. Right. Yep. So I'll end. Actually, it's kind of funny that it kind of relates to yes. his. Yeah. yeah. So funny yeah. How much it I'll close this out with our with our closing inspiration, and we'll be good to go. Oh, wait, do you have any closing thoughts that you would like to add? I think those were our, it. But that, yes. I know. Go well, ahead. That was it. <laughs> that was it. Good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Just make it sure. All, All right. right. Go ahead. We've had enough exhortations to be silent. Cry out with a thousand tongues. I see the world is rotten because of silence. This is your exhortation from St. Catherine of Siena. And we will see you on the next episode. Bye. 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 Now that you're all loved. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Caritas Christi. If you'd like to write to us with hot takes, feedback, advice, or advice requests, we would love to hear from you. Email us at caritas.christi31 at gmail.com. That's caritas.christi31 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next Thursday.